Welcome to the Queen Silk Podcast. This is episode four, the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet. I mean, Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. Our woman of the week is Cleopatra, who lived from 70 BC to 30 BC, and we are sourcing her story as told by Stacy Schiff in her biography, Cleopatra, A Life. Today's music is an ancient Roman tune. Welcome to the Queen Silk Podcast, episode four. It's Courtney. It's Anne. And Tammy. We're so excited. Yep. Who's our topic today? (laughs) So today we are doing Cleopatra, and we are using um, Cleopatra by A Life by Stacey Schiff as our reference. So we're very excited. We sound so excited. We do. It's really <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so let's start with our essential question real quick. Um, so our essential question for today is, what is the most important thing you have learned in your life? Anybody want to answer or take that from here? Hmm. I mean, if I have to pull one. Mm-hmm. Um... I think that, you know, we hear, we learn a lot of information Mm -hmm. in life, whether from education, um, experience, and I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is to take everything that's presented to me and digest it on my own, and then, like, see where that fits just for me, like, within... How I'm going to act, how if I'm going to adapt to it, if I'm going to go against it, whatnot. But just to own my own voice, I think that's been a huge... Uh, and maybe allow less um, outward... Um, not, manip- not, not manipulation, but maybe influence. Less mm-hmm. outward yeah. influence and to and be able to make sure that it's like... With. Yeah, be more yeah. at peace with my opinions and my own choices. Um, yeah. 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 I like that. I think probably mine would just be understanding that everybody is very, very different, mm-hmm. but everybody has something that can contribute. And I think really with Cleopatra and her story, we find that understanding. Every single person had a role to play in this story, however great or small. And if you hadn't had individual key players, she wouldn't be as well known as she is today. And I think yeah. that's probably one thing, not just from Cleopatra, but that I've learned in my life, especially where I lived in South Florida and the culture, there's so many cultures. It's just a melting pot of wonderful people that really opened my eyes to different skills, different opportunities, different abilities that I didn't have out in, you know, Idaho and Utah, some areas that have a lot less diversity. I think that's really something that's been hit home for me. Yeah, I like that. I think for me is a little bit of a combination of you two. Um, for me, the like my fav- one of my favorite concepts is respect. Mm-hmm. Um, how you respect yourself and how you respect others, and this treatment, like respect to me, is a very neutral word. It's a very like, and the way that I think of respect is seeing the dignity in other people. And treating them according to that dignity that they have, kind of like a, yeah. I guess um, you could say it's kind of like a not like a namaste kind of respect. Like I am honoring the light within you or the divinity within you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I 
know. how I try to treat people as yeah. much as I can. And it's it's a very like neutral like whether I like you or dislike you, you will I will respect you. Yeah. Like we don't have to have any other interaction. Mm-hmm. Like it'll it'll just be positive or mm-hmm. neutral. So yeah. but that's I think for me, um, what I usually do and what I usually think. Yeah. This was fun. Um yeah. So um, last week we talked quite a bit about Cleo, uh, Cleopatra. <laughs> Fun this week and <laughs> surprise. <laughs> um, were you guys listening? No, I was not even there. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we did Marie Antoinette. I was gonna go with Mark Anthony because they both start with M and A. And Anne like, is so excited wrong. about today's discussion <laughs> that she can't even talk about the people from last week. <laughs> They are in the past, and it is time to move forward. For real, just keep going forward. Like, yeah. keep moving forward. <laughs> right. But, um, so last time we talked about Marie Antoinette and her lack of education and how that, in our, in our minds and in our argument, led to her eventual demise at the hands of the French people and at the guillotine. This week, we're going to talk about Cleopatra, who was one of the most educated women in the entire world, and how she chose to end her life at, uh, on her own terms, um, and why that decision was significant, and how her education and her understanding of the world made that decision viable and poignant. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry to use big words there, but like... <laughs> They're the best ones. For yeah, they that, really so say it all. Yeah, they do exactly what I want to say. So, um, we have a note here that we should do this in accents, but we're not going to because Tammy is a coward. Just kidding. <laughs> I flat out have no ability to have accents. It is the worst thing in the world. I combine six of them in one, and I'm like, I'm killing it, and everybody's like, You are nothing close. So we're not even gonna try. <laughs> Let's, let's keep our theatrical genius to <laughs> our Instagram. Like, okay, Anne? All right. I'd be happy to tape you later. <laughs> you can have fun because you like it. Yeah, we could do that. We've got Anthony and Cleopatra here written by Shakespeare, which kind of double-dipped and then later wrote um, Romeo and Juliet. That's kind of the name. Like You'll you'll see some similarities yep. here between, between these the stories, huh? very plot of... Romeo and Juliet, and then the plot of Mark Anthony and Cleo. Well, not plot, but the actual events of Mark Anthony and Cleopatra's. Let's be real. We're telling it as similar. a sort of story, mm-hmm. so it is the plot yeah, we are. today. <laughs> yeah, for today. So let's kind of talk about um, how Cleopatra grew up. Mm-hmm. Here we go. She uh, first of all, we've got the Egyptian Golden Age. That holy cow. <laughs> Um, the history of Egypt up in, like, so I've seen this meme that I think is, just boggles my mind. Um, so Cleopatra, to us, right now, to about 2,000 years later, is closer in time to us than she was to the start of the Egyptian, um, dynasty. Yeah. That's not the right word, but, like, the the start of Egypt and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Which just boggles my mind. Like, yeah. That was, like, the pyramids were older, far, far older. Like, they, they were not contemporaries with 
Cleopatra. Like she was not building the pyramids. Yeah. Um, so there, there's there's a lot of time and a lot of history going on here with Cleopatra that she is the beneficiary of because at this time we still have the Library of Alexandria where there's a school there and like let's let's just talk about how extensive her education was here first yeah. of all so by the time she was 18 mm -hmm. she is fluent in at least nine languages um, she has most of Homer and the Greek tragedies memorized so like the Iliad and the Odyssey that we read mm -hmm. she has most of them memorized and can recite them at command mm -hmm. and she can also perform them at command um, she's got science, she's got war, history, strategy. Um, one of the other things that they talked about is all of the reports that come into her. If you tell her that there is a specific plot of land that has only produced like a certain amount of grain, yeah. she can be like, why did it only produce that much? Last year it produced this much. Or if it produces more, like where are they getting their grain from? What did you do differently? Yeah. So she just has all of this information and she's been taught how to analyze it how to use it how to do all of these things how to retain it too yeah because that's something that over time she's able to say exactly what happens on each plot of land when mm -hmm. you consider how big egypt is that's flat out impressive because oh, yeah sometimes we can't even tell what happened on our plot of land but she can remember mm -hmm. not just this year's but every year's information yeah which is which is <clears throat> crazy like the woman is a physical computer like a, a human computer yeah. right um, but also along with that she what I was going to say oh but like all of this is like things that are just expected of her oh and all of this is going down she's still learning most of this while she's at war with her brother like mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of funny because in the book they go through and they talk about the Ptolemy family line we don't even know if she's the second or if she's the seventh because yep. they've been kind of intermarried back and forth a lot. And so her brother, who is younger than her and is 10 years old, is waging war against Cleopatra. Who's 18. Who's 18. Yeah. And he's so far been more successful. But now you've got the Romans who are coming. And mm -hmm. Cleopatra is like, I need, I need an ally. Yeah. So um, as... Caesar, Julius Caesar, has shown up in the harbor. He's now in Ptolemy's, Ptolemy, the 10-year-old's um, loving arms and embrace. Hospitality, that's the word I was going for, actually, not mm -hmm. the other one. <laughs> <laughs> loving arms and embrace. A 10-year-old greeting. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that he ended up in her loving arms and embrace, <laughs> not the brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you consider their family. Like, they're so brutal, they poison each other. They kill oh, yeah. each other to get the throne. Like, so it at is this point, Cleopatra is. and her brother are literally the last two yeah. children left at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Her dad just died at age 50. So now yeah. it's the, between the two of them to rule. No, there were a couple yeah. more, I think, because she Weren't married they, a like, brother. Yeah. She was married to this brother. Yeah, who was 10. Thought. And there was another one that she didn't marry later. Yeah. Anyway, but still, like, keeping in mind how brutal this was, them going to war is not that weird. Yeah. It's sad for the Egyptian people, which Cleopatra felt for, but yeah. it's not even that weird. So having Rome come in was one of these moments of, what do we do with Julius Caesar, who's coming in, and we're not technically under Roman rule, but we're sort yeah. of under Roman rule. But now, how do we balance this? Because somebody's got to win this war, whether it's Cleopatra yeah. or her bro. Yeah. 
And basically, it's whoever can get to Julius Caesar first. Correct. So Ptolemy invites him in, has like a house and everything for him to. This is probably not super accurate, but he has his like people. His people yeah. have have a place set up for him, and Cleopatra was she kicked out of the city at this point? Yeah, she was yeah. out. So yeah. like, so in order for her to get back in into Alexandria and to get mm-hmm. back to Julius Caesar, she had to go through her brother Ptolemy and his entire army. Mm-hmm. And she's like, how in the world am I going to get there and get there before him? Because mm-hmm. he is this conniving 10-year-old who is basically destroying my armies. Mm-hmm. Hence, oh, By and the then, way, if you think Cleopatra was educated at 18 years old, her brother, her 10-year-old brother, has been like a full-on nuisance at 10 years old. Yeah. Like, not just because, you know, he's a 10-year-old brother. Mm-hmm. It's because he's his been educated with the same standards and expectations that Cleopatra has. Yeah. So just yeah. throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. So And then sorry. just keep in mind where Alexandria is set up. It's literally part of it is a marsh. So there's mm-hmm. very difficult ways to get to this palace. So there's a marsh on one side, which makes it difficult for any war or army to get there. Mm-hmm. So she can't go that route with her army to get to the castle. She can't... The castle. Meh. She can't go through the front because that's where her brother is. And then on the other side, I think there's a, a moat or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's so like heavily fortified that there is no way for her to get in except to go straight through her brother and his armies. Mm-hmm. And so what does she do? This is how you impress Julius Caesar. Are you ready for this? Slash anyone. <laughs> Slash I would be anyone. so impressed if somebody came to me this way. I'm just saying. Right. So what does she do? She has a servant wrap her up in a dusty rug. And he carries, a rug that folds, just to yeah, that, that folds, yeah. Not like one that's stiff. <laughs> yeah. So she wrap, gets wrapped up in a dusty rug, and she gets carried in by the servants. She goes, that's how she gets in. Through the swamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Like, I, I don't know the, ex- oh. like, all so the she, specific So she hatches a plot with her, like, secondhand man. She's like, yeah. I gotta get there, and I gotta get there first. And he's like, yeah. there's no way to get there. She's like, figure it out. So he's like, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll wrap you in a rug, and because it's bendable, it kind of looks like it's sacks of mm-hmm. grain or produce or something like that, especially because, point being here, Cleopatra must have been flipping tiny to fit in this to, in order to look yeah. like sacks of grain, right? Mm-hmm. But he's like, I'll go through the marsh, I'll stick you in this super tiny canoe that we've hid in there just in case, we'll go through the back door, and then I'll just carry you up the stairs again as if you're this produce or this grain or whatever I'm carrying mm-hmm. in these random sacks not a human being super because, not sus yeah not <laughs> sus right but then he <laughs> takes her all the way through all of these guards not one person has suspicions I'm like nobody if that were Cleopatra's second hand man I would, I would be super suspicious okay yeah and then he goes all the way into Caesar's room and takes her to Caesar's room where he then dumps out the queen of Egypt Unrolls her from the rug. <laughs> and she's like, ta-da, guess who wins? First prize. You, For real. me, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and they make an alliance. Like, does Caesar immediately jump on this? No. Um, not really, like, because he thinks things through, and he's super educated as well. And Ptolemy, but, Ptolemy, but now, at the very least, she has impressed Caesar enough that Ptolemy can't just kill her mm-hmm. and also Ptolemy is now severely threatened once again by her because she's already made it to Caesar and is working on making him an ally. Yeah. So um, let's just say 
is pretty cool. That's so like, gutsy. <laughs> this is what we've been doing wrong all these years. This is what we've been doing I wrong should have had, all these years. I should have met you earlier and you just rolled me up in a rug <laughs> and just deliver me to my the current crush. Yes, yeah. My K-drama crush of the moment. Like, air freight. <laughs> right? Well, let's also throw this out there. Like, a little bit, like, what is all of this that makes Cleopatra appealing to Julius Caesar? Number yeah. one. Wealthiest woman in the entire mm-hmm. world. Probably uh, out of all time. She's yeah. she's very rich. She knows exactly where the money comes from, exactly how to get mm-hmm. it into her coffers, who has the money, and who needs to have the money. And, and therefore, why people haven't been paying her money. Exactly. Like, and mm-hmm. all of the taxes come to her, but then she knows exactly where to put the money to make more money. So this, mm-hmm. like Egypt is one of the most one of the richest places in the world at this point of time. Mm-hmm. Way w- richer than Rome, yeah. by far. The fact yeah. that Rome survived so long is still one of those, like, ah, moments. Anyway. Yeah. So she's super wealthy. She has land. She has influence. She has resources. And Julius Caesar um, needs all of these things to, you know, these are all things that are very attractive to him. And then, of course, she also wants to work with him. Like, Ptolemy probably wants to work with Julius Caesar, but she, I don't know how else to put it, like, she doesn't just need him, but she brings, she is such a valuable asset at this point that she becomes the stronger competitor. Like, otherwise, Julius Caesar has to raise a 10-year-old kid. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the only reason that he decided to go with her, but... Well, he didn't technically decide to go with her for a while. Mm-hmm. What he did is he brought Ptolemy in and he said, all right, you two, your brother and sister, grow up. And he oh, had them, yeah. like, he make, make amends. Them work so he tried to force that relationship between the two of them. It wasn't, I'm going to pick Cleopatra because she got here first. Mm-hmm. Did that make the biggest impression on him? Absolutely. Yeah. But his thinking is, I'm a diplomatist, diplomat, diplomat, whatever you want to say. Um, I'm a diplomat, and I'm trying to make sure that Egypt doesn't fall apart. Because if Egypt falls apart, it's a great opportunity for Rome, but it's also a terrible opportunity for Rome because there's so many people who want to rule Egypt. Yeah. And how do you give somebody that kind of power? He's mm-hmm. like, I just can't do that. So I'm going to keep you guys as good friends, good siblings, Why good husband and wife. Story? You're the one who like knows everything. <laughs> I'm just going I'll through. Just I'm like, what the correct heck? You. You're just a funnier storyteller than I am. I just get the facts out there. But... I mean, that's when that's the point here, is he, he's not picking a side. To be fair, at this point, there's something in the book where he talks about like her feminine wiles and her beauty and her ability yeah. to beguile and just all of these comments, and that's what he reports back to Rome as the reason why he and Cleopatra are so tight is because she's just a really beautiful, wonderful female, mm-hmm. not that she has any of this power. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of... Yeah, Yeah. just to add to that moment. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I also have to throw this out there. So um, not only is Cleopatra... So Cleopatra is like a product of the area. So she's like Greek, but also Egyptian, but also like all of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so one of the traditions that's going on here that I think becomes super like interesting when it is later applied to the Bible and (laughs) when Christ comes... Um, is that it is a popular tradition at this time to say that you have a lineage from the gods. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I can't remember who Julius Caesar is constantly saying he's the son of. 
Is it Venus? I can't remember. I'd have to it's look somebody back. else. Yeah, but, but he's constantly um, comparing, like saying, "I am the son of so and so," and then he can basically do whatever he wants because yeah. he's a demigod and he's yeah. got that power. Um, and then you've got Cleopatra, who start who starts using this as well, like integrating cultures, seeing what mm-hmm. other people are doing, and like, oh, this is fabulous. She starts portraying herself as the goddess, the Egyptian goddess of I- Iris, mm-hmm. who is the mother of, of the earth, mm-hmm. or mother, like the goddess of love and a mother. Yeah. Those two main ideas. Sorry if I'm getting this a little bit mixed up here. Um, but that's how she chooses to present herself. And yeah. when she goes to Egypt, she comes and she makes an impression by Egypt bringing... Or Rome? Sorry, Rome. Rome, okay. Rome, Rome, Rome. So I, I just want to make sure I was following this. Like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. She also does this when she's in Egypt, is yes. like making an impression and leaving an impression and being like, I am the queen. <laughs> like, like, she's <laughs> the only one who had funds to buy this random, super religious white bull. And mm. everybody else, like one had just died, and she's like, here's a very expensive, beautiful white bull. And they just revered her for it because it wasn't her custom, but mm-hmm. she was so invested in the people and trying to build relationships there, which is something the Ptolemies didn't do very well with overall, mm-hmm. that she gave them this bull and that just built that relationship. So she yeah. is seen as this quote-unquote mother, mm-hmm. but you also see throughout her political uh, presentation... Mm-hmm. how she decided to do everything it was her and then she had her counselors who went and did some of the the groundwork i'm going to this mm-hmm. place i'm going to this place and ta- collecting these taxes etc yeah but if anybody had a grievance they could come straight to cleopatra and request an audience and it had to be honored and so mm-hmm. she knew each of her people or knew each of her people she knew which ones of her uh what do you call them minions sub no minions, <laughs> minions that she sent out <laughs> Minions is the best word I'm thinking about. And maybe she knew which ones were corrupt when collecting taxes oh, to get paid. She knew yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. which okay. ones were going to have the grievances, and mm-hmm. she knew exactly how to take care of it. She was so invested in the people's lives that they saw her as this mother. Yeah. And so when she went to Rome, she presented herself as the goddess Iris mm-hmm. be- to show that, no, I have divine authority and divine right to rule as yeah. well. I am just as capable and confident as any of these Romans that are here. Um, and like when, and that, that's just how she did it. And like when she went to Rome, she brought all of her riches with her as well. Like there was a whole parade. But the problem is this, the Romans are scared of kings and queens for that matter because they do not believe in like soul monarchy. They believe they're more, like the idea of a republic is still somewhat developing and being like in practice and the problem is this when she co- when she goes to rome she ends up bringing all of her riches and all of her wealth and not only is she presenting herself as the goddess iris but the problem is this she's also presenting herself as a queen and the romans who are still working on being republicans and every man gets to rule himself unless you've been conquered by you know the Romans, then you don't get to rule yourself. Mm-hmm. You're subject to the Romans. Like very ironic here. Yeah. Like <laughs> a very anti-Rousseau, who's like you will be compelled to be free and yeah. to act for yourself, yeah. um, which is super interesting concept. Um, but the Romans are like, nope. She is here as a queen, and she is a threat to our republic. Mm-hmm. And even worse, 
Julius Caesar, who is a very influential military person, but also super charismatic. Like, there, there's a bunch of men in history that stand out for very different reasons. Like, there's a reason we still know Julius Caesar's name, even though he was 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Like, he, he just had that emphasis and that umph, you know, throughout the ages. Um, but he, unfortunately, he is now hanging out with a queen. And the Romans are like, bro, no, no, no. You look like you're trying to make yourself a king. And that's not what we're doing. And he's like, nope, I'm the first citizen. I'm not the king, right? But I'm descended from deity, (laughs) and I'm amazing. (laughs) Exactly. And eventually, the Romans are like, here's what we're going to do. We'll just stab him. Like, Sounds like a great <laughs> idea, guys. Like, murder, that's just the solution that we <laughs> go straight to. Did we not just discuss last week about, like, murder? Like, <laughs> once you could solve, like, once you start solving your problems with murder, like, that seems like it's the answer to everything. But let me tell you it what, it's it not. Worse. Like, it becomes more problematic in the end. So, but they kill him. <laughs> There's the whole okay. I have to say say this because I think yeah. it's really funny. So there's this one um, art professor who was trying to relate more to his students, and so he takes like the picture, the death of Caesar, <laughs> and he renames it the day Julius Caesar got vibe checked. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Which is like what? <laughs> it's so funny. We'll have to post that on our Instagram when we like so that you guys yeah. can see it because it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Cleopatra was in Rome at that time, and she actually even has a son with Caesar, mm-hmm. uh, Caesarian, right? I think it's Caesarian that's first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, and this is also problematic because uh, Julius Caesar has a wife, Calpurnia. Like, so there's that too, right? Yeah. All these different issues. Anyway, so... I but was, it's good for Cleopatra because now she's yeah. tied the knot, essentially, with mm-hmm. Rome. Yeah. Now they really shouldn't be taking over kingdom because the Romans technically have rule over it now that she has a son. Mm-hmm. That is With Roman. a Roman. Yeah. Yeah. But, so she ends up going back to Egypt, Egypt. and is chilling there for a little while while Rome gets its stuff figured out. Yeah. So by the time it's got most of its stuff figured out, you've got Mark Anthony, who was one of, oh, there's like no will that Julius Caesar leaves behind, and I don't think they would have followed it anyway. No, so there is a will. Well, there is a will. That's what left it to his weird nephew. Oh, and that's why Mark Anthony was so mad, oh, is because man. he was okay. Julius Caesar's right-hand man. Oh, and that's why Shakespeare makes such a huge deal yes. of friends, Romans, countrymen, uh-huh. lend me your ears. Like, if you knew what Julius Caesar had left for everybody in his will, yes. you'd be all about it. Hmm, cool. Yes. Yeah, so Shakespeare's yeah. right, too. Like, and you can read that. By the way, Cleopatra had two sons with Julius at this point. Oh. Julius Caesar. So she has two sons. Yeah. She goes back to Egypt for safety while they sort themselves out. Mm-hmm. But now she's out of the loop because, hello, now my Roman person has died. Mm-hmm. And been brutally murdered, in mm-hmm. fact. So what do I? What does she do? She's like, all right, I'm gonna team up with the person that I think actually was good looking, closer mm-hmm. to my age, and was Julius's right hand man, so he knew all of the political things that we were going for. Mm-hmm. And he's actually got a dog in the fight. Like, yes, 
Yeah. Yeah, which is all beautiful. Mm -hmm. But of course, Octavian, who now has all of Julius Caesar's power given to him and has never in a day in his life done anything political, now has to pick up that mantle. Mark Antony's livid. Yeah. But, I mean, eventually, this is kind of according to Genuine Sister, from, and this is like kind of how I understand it. Eventually, things resolve just enough that Octavian, Mark Antony, and then this other person whose name I think, if I had to bet money on it, I'd say it starts with an L. They end up like in a little triumvirate and like they're kind of the guys that are in charge. Yeah. But then eventually, the guy whose name starts with an L for loser loses everything. <laughs> Sorry, bro, whose name starts with an L. I don't. Got new monikers. <laughs> L for loser. That's always been a thing. I'm just kidding. Um, but so he kind of becomes obsolete at a certain point, or he's kind of given his, like, thrown his weight behind Octavian. And so, um, but Mark Anthony is, like, still working for things, but it is Cleopatra who, like, the best word to explain it is he, she lures him to Egypt. Yeah. By explaining, like, I'll give you power, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. And so he, like, slowly comes back that way. Mm-hmm. And then she invites him to this huge party, mm-hmm. right? Very Egyptian. Like, she's trying, like, she is very much marketing yeah. Egypt to Mark Anthony because she still needs a Roman beneficiary. A Roman beneficiary. And the yeah. thing is, like, she set the stage for it already when she went to Egypt the first time with Julius Caesar and showed mm-hmm. all of her power, all of her wealth, all of her beauty, all of everything Egypt had to offer. Yeah. And when you compare it to what was going on in Rome at this time, she was there for a few of these parades where the Romans who captured kings and queens in different countries would bring them back, put them in chains, and parade them in front of the, the citizens. Yeah. And because the citizens didn't have as much knowledge... <laughs> as you would think they would have, Cleopatra was way more educated than any of the people out here at this moment in time. So for her, this is a very barbaric principle. Sorry. Um, and trying to explain that to Mark Antony, look at all of the stuff that we have that's not barbaric. Look at the mm-hmm. education. Look at the wealth. Look at the people that you can get here. So luring, I think, yeah. is the right word because she had set the stage for it and seeing what Rome didn't have that yeah. she did have. Yeah. And also- She'd done her homework. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She is a very smart young lady. Yeah. But the other thing with it, too, for, for Cleopatra is that, like, parading these monarchs around, like, that's straight-up propaganda to the yeah. people. Like, look how awesome we are. Look at these uncivilized or whatever, you're, however the Romans wanted to portray these people. Yeah. Like, look at what we were able to conquer and how amazing we are compared to them, how mm-hmm. amazing you are as a lowly citizen to them yeah. like like taking this all into consideration um, there was something else I was going to say uh, we'll come back to it if yeah. I remember um, so anyway she's luring him yeah so she Egypt. lures him to Egypt and she throws a huge party but she doesn't even attend the party uh-huh. until everybody is fully drunk because then when she walks in she's come at once again full regalia as the goddess Iris and she's like Mark Anthony sees her and he and like let's go with love at first sight except for like love at like fourth or fifth (coughs) impression Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he's clearly worked with her before he Mm -hmm. worked with uh, Julius Caesar 
he knows Cleopatra and he knows what she's capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's how they end up teaming up. So like Cleopatra is very much a queen of making an impression on different people and um, even if you compare <laughs> her presentation to Julius Caesar, I'm in a rug. I am a queen, but I am carried on the shoulder of a servant in a rug <laughs> to you. That is a huge impression. Yeah. But then switching that even to the impression on the Roman people who were so conflicted about queens at this time, look at what I have to offer you. I have money. I have education. I have people. That's huge. Like, that mm-hmm. impression. But then even to bring it further and show Mark Antony, look at all that you can have if you team up with me and love mm-hmm. at first sight. That, she yeah. is absolutely queen of first impressions. Oh, yeah. And also queen of, like, garnering support from the people that she needs support from. Yes. Amazing at it. Very, very good at that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, so, Tammy, since I do not remember very well, <laughs> what do Cleopatra and Mark Anthony, like, actually accomplish in everything? Like, I remember certain things and how there's, like, a sea battle that doesn't go very well. The main thing well, I mm-hmm. remember is, like, um, the Romans are very, like, the Roman generals who are serving under Mark Anthony are very anti-having Cleopatra mm-hmm. actually, like, in the room, ten, like, having tent discussions and making yeah. a strategy and all that. Yeah. Um, they're a very, very, the Romans were a very patriarchal society, mm-hmm. whereas Cleo, like, but Mark Anthony knows Cleopatra. He has seen what she's capable of, and he recognizes the value in mm-hmm. her, which I think is super important. And, like, he refuses to kick her out of these meetings. Yeah. Like, he's like, no. She mm-hmm. has a vested interest in what's going on, and she is funding our revolution, more or less, yeah? Yeah. So, basically, you have to keep in mind, Octavian and Mark Antony are literally fighting over Rome at this point. Mm. They supposedly have a peace treaty, quote-unquote. They supposedly have this agreement that they won't touch each other's business but Mark Antony's not 100% doing any of it because he's staying with Cleopatra so mm-hmm. of course Octavian's like nah man if you're not going to do your job I'm going to take over Mark yeah. Antony's like nah man this is my job I took it from Julius Caesar so you've got kind of a split Rome and empire half going for Mark Antony who knows his stuff and half going for Octavian who's kind of this weirdo <laughs> who didn't have anything to do with Julius Caesar other than a relationship you know and that's kind of where we're, we're coming from at this point Cleopatra has lured Mark Antony to say, hey, let's fight and get back Rome for you. Mm-hmm. I've got the people. I've got the money. Let's do this. Yeah. And he's like, why for sure? So this is where all of the battles start coming into play. You've got Octavian and Mark Antony who engage in the land battle. And this is when she's in the tent with him trying to discuss all of the options. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. like, okay, we're not winning. This isn't a good option. However, I have ships and we are yeah. great with our ships. So let's go do a water battle. And yeah. he's like, okay, sure, like, whatever. I know you're mm-hmm. smart. I'm not, I don't super love your idea, but let's go do it. So they retreat, go to the water, thinking, I can absolutely win this. Mm-hmm. Octavian, however, has garnered more support than they expected. Doesn't and he have, like, some kind of treaty with, like, a Herod person who hates Cleopatra? Herod, yeah, Herod ruled Jerusalem at this time, and he hated Cleopatra because she uh-huh. treated him semi-poorly, and mm, he fair. thought that he was on her level, even though he ruled this tiny, 
tiny chunk of land so in comparison. He's, he's so he's Napoleon a little bitter. Syndrome. Yes. Yeah. So yes, they teamed up with Herod, but they teamed up with a couple of other people who have a lot more ships. Herod's just been kind of the secondhand spy of here's some information you need to know about Cleopatra, or here's some information you need to know okay. about different provinces. Yeah. But Octavian comes and meets uh, Mark Antony and Cleopatra on the battle water. <laughs> on, on the, the battle, battle water. <laughs> In the water. Battle. In the water. <laughs> And the problem comes that Cleopatra does have amazing skill on the water, but they didn't plan this very well. So Mark, or not Mark Antony, Octavian starts to win this battle. And Mm -hmm. Cleopatra's like, nah, man, I am super out. I don't want you getting hurt. I don't want me getting hurt. We have kids together. This is just not happening. Mm -hmm. And so she calls for the retreat. So Mark Antony is super not happy. But that's kind of the battles that had happened at this point. So Mark Antony is now full-blown retreat. He has nothing. He's, in fact, lost his half of this theoretical Roman Empire and goes and pouts in Cleopatra's kingdom at this point. So now Cleopatra is trying to save the day and create an alliance with Octavian in one way or another and sort of invites them to come in and have a peace treaty. Octavian, Mm -hmm. instead of peaceably solving this, is like, I'm just going to take over. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to settle it. And that's kind of yeah, cause that story. Very Roman conquering mindset. Like, yes. We think about American Manifest Destiny. <clears throat> like the Romans, uh, I don't think they had Manifest Destiny. I think they had a god complex. <laughs> like a, They were descended from gods. So. This, what, a, what an ironic and crazy thing to have in mind. Like both a republican and got like a republican mindset with a god complex (laughs) (laughs) and then you have julius caesar yeah um (laughs) that's dang what the irony (laughs) (laughs) um but so here's where it becomes super important so octavian is on his way Mm -hmm. and here's where romeo and juliet ensue Mm -hmm. so cleopatra slash juliet sends word to Romeo slash Mark Anthony Mm -hmm. that she has died and in fact committed suicide in fact committed suicide and Mark Anthony's response is to fall on his sword literally and so he dies Mm -hmm. word comes back to Cleopatra Mark Anthony is dead and Cleopatra is like okay and then but devastated but devastated keep in mind devastated she's hiding in a tower at this point with her people there is no yeah. way in. There is no way out. It's mm-hmm. for safekeeping of herself, the monarch of Egypt. Yeah. But what Which she then, does is she sees him dying. He literally killed himself. And that's not 100% what she was intending. So she mm-hmm. sends her servants after him, sets down the ladder. He comes up the ladder, but nobody thought to pick it back up which is where she got captured. They came up that back ladder while she was sitting there talking to Mark Antony as he was dying. I'm so sorry. I love you. And he's like, I love you too. It's seriously one of the most dramatic scenes that you can experience up in this random tower that nobody has access to. But because they didn't finish their battle, they didn't think about Uh the planning part, that's when she got captured. And they leave Mark Antony there to die, of course, while they take Cleopatra to present her in this barbaric parade of... Look, we've captured the monarchs. Yeah, which she... No, 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 you're good. Like, honestly, this... I listened to this book while I was probably a little bit half asleep. I I remember that I was planting flowers um, when uh, the 
Cleopatra's maid has like her super important line that is in Shakespeare that yeah. she shift men- mentions but like so I remember details like that yeah. of what I was doing and my flowers then you know froze because yeah. I planted them too soon but um <laughs> but like dramatic love story yeah like why do I not just like her that? boats they <laughs> <Yeah>, also <laughs> went down and <laughs> many good intentions that yes. froze yes and all of that yeah <laughs> what what fun random things um anyway, so she gets captured yeah and she's once again under house arrest with octavian now oh that's what i was gonna say the mm-hmm. the funniest thing to me about cleopatra's story is that we don't necessarily we don't really have any personal records of her like she if she kept a journal we don't have access to it if she wrote decrees we don't have them mm-hmm. but we what we do have is we know the records of like what was going on at the time and we also know what the romans thought of her mm-hmm. and so it's like literally her enemies that are responsible for the telling of her story mm-hmm. which is really sad yeah so you've got octavian who is now here and he plans to do the same barbaric parade for cleopatra mm-hmm. and take her and parade her and he and cleopatra's under house arrest or doesn't she, he give her the option to, like, marry him or something? No. no. I don't think so. No. Nope. I could be totally wrong, but I don't think so. Yeah. He just, no. they, she was under house arrest in her own palace mm-hmm. for a few days before they transitioned back to Rome. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, because Octavian, once again, was very much opposed to a queen because that's the, that's the thing, and that's been his whole issue with Mark Anthony. So there would be zero percent chance of them getting married, and well, he, he also had a wife. yeah, and he also is constantly like I am un- not susceptible at all to mm-hmm. her feminine wiles or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So Octavian's plan is is to take her and have her paraded and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the Romans are really good at humiliation, but um, I also think too that she's in style at this point. She still has all of her ladies' maids. Oh, yeah. She has all of the people around her. She's still being fed glorious, fabulous mm-hmm. meals. She still has everything that she would have had if she were a regular monarch. He is yeah. treating her and buttering her up just to be, make her think that he's this wonderful guy, that he's mm-hmm. absolutely not, but to try to change her mind that way before they go back to Rome. So at least she's a little bit more docile and compliant. Yeah. Um, and she's like, huh. I, re- I see right through you, buddy. He's <laughs> like, I know what Roman hospitality of uh-huh. foreign monarch or conquered monarchs is. Yeah. And so when she has basically a second to herself or the first chance she gets, um, she poisons herself. Like, the the very beginning, it's really funny because Stacey Schiff goes through and is like, yeah, poisoning each other is an art in mm-hmm. in um Egypt and so having a snake bite you is horrible and painful and so she definitely took a poison that was painless mm-hmm. and peaceful so yeah. that her death would be on her own terms in yeah. her own way and would avoid <clears throat> everything that Octavian wanted to put her through. Mm-hmm. I kind of love the story though of how she took her life because she presents it <laughs> the whole story is Cleopatra and her ladies maids are sitting in style in this wonderful waiting room doing whatever they want to do. Send letters mm-hmm. that never got anywhere, but they could 
feel like they were sending letters, read books, et cetera, et cetera. And they had requested this very special basket of things <laughs> to be brought in. And the, the guards are like, um, how about no? I don't know what's in this random basket. You haven't approved this by us. And they're like, oh, it's just figs. Do you want some? They're literally offering the poisoned figs to the people who are her guards. They're like, yeah. no, man, you can just take them. If, if they're safe enough for you to offer to me, how how confident they are could they be yeah. right so how awful could they be and the next thing they know is they just hear dead silence they're like what the what the heck and this i think is where the power comes into play with cleopatra especially because every one of her ladies maids poisoned themselves first so that cleopatra had a whole contingency of women supporting her and in the afterlife of course but mm-hmm. that concept of they were going with her even though cleopatra probably didn't ask them to go with her. She just didn't yeah. want to go to Rome. But yeah. they just see, like, they walk in and she's eating this fig. I'm a go in my own style. I don't know what her speech is. We'd have to look up those fabulous words that she yeah. said. But she said something really bold and brave and then just died. This very yeah. less painful death than the snake bite death. Yeah. And just that concept of this story interweaving, still working through these political dramas that people aren't even realizing are still happening because they think they've screwed her over and she's like, I'm actually screw you over. You won't yeah. even know it. <laughs> yeah. And like, once again, like the political drama. So we talked mm-hmm. about like the political intrigue going on in Esther's story. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the political intrigue going on here. It's shortly after they have all killed, like all committed suicide mm-hmm. that Octavian arrives and is like, where what is going on and he like finds out that she's dead and mm-hmm. he's like well there goes my plans yeah like <laughs> everything I I've just been worked foiled for. like yeah. yeah yeah so mm-hmm. you know um so how is this one not a tragedy <laughs> like, I mean it is it's a tragedy all the good guys die at the end like how is this not a tragedy <laughs> And how is this any different from Marie Antoinette's story? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the next part of the discussion here. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Marie Antoinette was killed. <laughs> Not that we're saying, like, taking your own life. And suicide is a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a difference between maintaining your dignity, like Marie Antoinette did mm-hmm. when she said, like, look at me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that, like... Despite everything, like it's a very different kind of dignity. Mm-hmm. The the French were not parading her around to show how amazing they were and all of that. And so her only and they were going to kill her anyway. Like that was that was the path she was on and mm-hmm. she recognized that. And so she maintained as much dignity as she could by refusing to bow to the, the will of the people, which is mm-hmm. what they wanted to t- her to do. Whereas Cleopatra maintained her dignity by not being the propaganda and the fool that Octavian wanted to make her mm-hmm. to be. And the only way to avoid becoming that was through her own death. Like, mm-hmm. there was no other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a pretty bold statement. Both of these women, though very different in education levels and situations in the way that their people treated them, very, very different. They both still maintain that dignity clear till the end. Look at me versus I'm going to show you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very, very different. But I think both of them drive home the exact same point that 
power and influence comes through what we have in ourselves, what we have mm-hmm. developed over time in small actions that change who we are, right? She has figured out poisons. That's something that she was educated on, and so she knew exactly what to do when the time came that she wanted to take her life to preserve her dignity and really the dignity of the Egyptian people. Yeah, knew exactly oh, yeah. what that was. But Marie Antoinette knew her worth as a mother. She knew her worth as a person, as a woman, and that's where the look at me comes from. And I think that is one thing that both of these women drive home very strongly: is that you can you have dignity, but it comes from what you have chosen to develop and who you are. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. I don't. I feel bad because I don't have a ton more to say about mm-hmm. Cleopatra. Like, mm-hmm. um, what did she... Like, I think the most important thing for Cleopatra is an awareness of all of the situations going on around her that Marie Antoinette kind of lacked, mm-hmm. definitely lacked. So there's an awareness that she had, an understanding of very specific, um, like, attention to detail that she had that Marie Antoinette didn't. Um, mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, I agree. I think that attention to detail is, like, what is just so profound to me with her life. Because she, I mean, at a young age, being so well-educated and just being able to run with (laughs) the power and influence that her and her siblings were given, I think is so amazing. Um, I'm, I'm like, so sad to have seen, like, her demise come. Mm -hmm. Like, when she obviously had so much to offer. Mm -hmm. So she's, like, even just thinking about how industrious she was and how she, you know, paid attention to even the smaller things Mm -hmm. and running her own country. Like, it's it's really sad for me that she went through this journey, you know, with Mark Anthony and then didn't have success and then were so rushed Mm -hmm. and and trapped in that moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's so amazing that she, so I guess she, she started to lose some detail, right? She mm-hmm. lost some of her, so it's, it's clearly stratagem is huge, mm-hmm. but she lost some of her war prowess yeah. in that yeah. battle. Probably because she was yeah. a little terrified. Yeah, yeah. But I also really love in Stacey Schiff's book, she has this comment and it, it really focuses on where Cleopatra learned her skills. And I think this is, again, kind of what we want to drive home is when we have these wonderful examples of other people, females, males, whatever, who show us how to be a a faithful, uh, significant, a prominent person, we become who we model ourselves after. Mm -hmm. And she talks about that too. She says, even without a regnant mother, Cleopatra could look to any number of female forebears who built temples, raised fleets, waged military campaigns, and with their consorts governed Egypt. Arguably, she had more powerful female role models than any other queen in history. And you see that in how she developed herself. She became a huge role model because she learned all of the role models that came before her and ruled as this fabulous female queen. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's yeah. that's our concept too. Obviously, we're learning mm-hmm. from Esther, Isabella, Marie Antoinette, and Cleopatra to this point all fabulous role models in one way or another and that hopefully will help us to develop into becoming a better and more prominent role model for ourselves yeah what a cool thing so um to have so many so many role models out there right Mm -hmm. that she had that she was looking to but she also so um going back a little bit to the iliad and the odyssey that she knew very well and 
very likely had memorized and could have recited at any moment. Like, it wasn't just female role, mo- or female role models that she had, but she's also looking at how, like, <laughs> the Iliad and the Odyssey are all about war mm-hmm. and men's interactions between each other and how they strategize and whether or not the gods are on their side. And even if the gods are on your side, that does not always mean that you are going to have success mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. Like, it's, it doesn't always mean that your, your victory is guaranteed at all. And for her to see that and to see, oh, you might have this going for you right now, but the tides can change. Mm-hmm. Things can change. And not only that, I can make a difference on how they change, mm-hmm. um, which I think is incredibly cool and incredibly valuable um, for a queen, for, for even just people who are trying to, you know, make general decisions. Like, you may feel stuck where you're at, and you might not have tons of options, but you do. Like, you just have, if you think about the situation a little differently and see, like, the obvious option is not always the one that is most, mm-hmm. like, the one that feels the most for you to take. Like, her option with Octavian <laughs> was... <Not great. laughs> was not great. It was definitely not the option that he was presenting to her. Like, we're going to go back and we're going to be teammates and it's going to be great. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to come with me and it'll be awesome. Like, we'll have a parade, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of these things. And she sees right through him. Like, to see, and like, that that was her option, was to be a conquered monarch. Mm -hmm. And she chose something else. Mm -hmm. She chose not to to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, With the only option she had, which was like, a very dramatic and yes <laughs> yeah yeah but I also really like to we've, we've been talking about this theme of there are a lot of males who are supporting these female monarchs mm-hmm. one way or another there there are people who support them and I think even just checking the differences and the similarities between Mark Antony and Julius Caesar both of them were almost like mentors for Cleopatra who was very very young as a ruler she had just mm-hmm. started ruling very educated but still young as a ruler, and they yeah. became her mentors on ways and rules for ruling. And I think that's something that's really powerful is even if you do feel stuck, find a mentor. It sounds mm-hmm. so strange and so abstract, but especially in the field of behavior analysis, you start out as a brand new, newly minted certified behavior analyst. And you're like, yep, got this, I've been doing this, I've got the education, and you get to that position and you think, Oh, what the heck did I sign up for? This is not what I thought I was getting educated on. Yeah. I have no skills. Absolutely false. You have skills. You just don't know what to do with them. And that's the biggest thing is getting a mentor to help you guide you through this beginning stages of your role so you know what you're supposed to be doing. Hopefully guiding you through all stages of your role, but at least that very initial part. And I, I think that's so important for our personal lives because it doesn't have to be somebody specifically a mentor for how to become a prominent person it can be find a mentor who is extremely good at finances and say i would love for you to teach me how you became so good at finances help give me some Mm -hmm. of your cute clues help teach me how to become a more healthy person whether that's eating or exercise or the whole combination of things it's one of those moments of you need a mentor to help you get out of wherever you feel you are stuck. And that yeah. makes you even more self-proficient and able to move forward. Yep. You are, your best thinking got you to where you are right mm-hmm. now. Like, 
yeah, to do something different and change it. Yep. Yeah. I love that too because it kind of explains because she's she's looking at Caesar. He's gone. Yeah. She's got Mark Anthony, but then she's trapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, "What? Do I, where do I turn now? Yeah. Rome has clearly got it out for me. I can't really get escape, yeah. and I, I'm out of options. Mm-hmm. And so then yeah. she just took the only option she could control. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I love it too because it prevented a full blown war between Rome and her people. Mm-hmm. She yeah. chose her personal death over the death of her country. And to be fair, did we lose a lot? Yeah, we lost the Library of Alexandria. We lost so oh much gosh, of Egyptian culture. Yeah, but because of her choice and the mentors that she had seen and chosen to follow, we have what we have today. And I love that. Yeah. And her children continued forward. So, yeah. yeah. Raised by somebody else, but still raised. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. yeah. So that is Cleopatra for this week. Next week, so I have a little note here that I'm going to quickly rewrite (laughs) to, like, our clue for next week for who it's going to be. Um, It's going to be a first lady, and she also, like, so we've talked about how Cleopatra knew her people, and she knew different things about people, but this first lady had first, like, she used her experience as knowledge and wisdom mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about her next week mm-hmm. so let me know what you think uh, let us know what you think let us send us your guesses and we will see you next week mm-hmm. or in tahiti we'll see you tahiti. Bye. thank you for joining us today we post new episodes every thursday and we hope to see you again next week To learn more about the women and philosophies we are discussing or read about our our adventures as we prepared for and recorded this podcast, please visit www.thequeensilkpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at queensilkpodcast. If you have comments, questions, stories, or fun pictures of you wearing a crown, you can contact us at thequeensilkpodcast at gmail.com. We will try to respond to all messages that we receive, but we will not respond to messages that are rude or sent anonymously. Thank you again and have a wonderful week. We'll catch you next time.